these mics are very, very, very annoying. Don't buy the mid-level mics. Either go, yeah. you already know. So they pick up all the things. Um, yeah. So I may be like, hold on, hold for sound for just a second. Or if you're in the middle of a story, I'm going to let it just go because I think everyone's sort of understanding in the audience land of how insane this time is. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky ones that got out and all of the good, bad and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I currently work or I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, Brandy Posey. Originally from Annapolis, Maryland, Brandy Posey is a stand-up comedian, writer, and producer who now calls LA's comedy scene home. She's been featured as a performer at the Benson Ball, New York Comedy Festival, and the Riot Comedy Festival, to name just a few of the many, many festivals she has performed at. She's open for all of your favorite comics, whose names I could go on and on about, but the two that we're going to talk about are Kyle Kinane and Maria Bamford, and the legendary punk band Against Me. Brandy has appeared on MTV, E! and Comedy Central. She's made a fe- her feature film debut in the indie dark comedy The Worst Year of My Life, directed by Jonathan Smith. And the most incredible of all is that her inaugural album Opinion Cave debuted at number one on iTunes and number 12 on Billboard.com, which if you don't work in comedy or don't know, that's insane and is such a huge accomplishment. I better know Brandy through her friends in this crazy business and through listening to her insanely witty and very funny podcast, Lady to Lady, which she co-hosts with two fellow comedians. Also different about this episode is that Brandy marks the first guest that I have spoken to but never actually met in person and whose voice I've heard and comedy I've heard, but again, never met. So Brandy, we want to know more. Tell us tell us about you. You're like, what got you into comedy? Brief us. <laughs> Hey, uh, this is Brandy Posey. That's my voice for those listening. I, uh, yeah, I've been a huge comedy fan forever. I remember, like, do you remember the movie Ace Ventura 2? Yeah. Okay, cool. That, seeing that movie in theaters was, like, kind of a religious experience for me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I remember, like, I'd always been a fan of comedy. I was a massive Jim Carrey fan. And then when I went to go see that with my my brother and then my grandmother, who hated it, um, which made (laughs) me like it even more, um, the scene where he, like, comes out of the rhino's butt, was like this moment of nirvana for me as a child because I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I want to feel like this all the time. And I just want to find a way to be in a world that is like, whatever whatever he's doing, I want to be in that world. And my comedy is nothing like Jim Carrey. And like, I actually came to stand up relatively late, like 25 or 26, but I like wanted to work in comedy. So I like went to film school at uh, Drexel University um, because uh, I was, I applied to a ton of different places, but I got, I got Orange County where my guidance counselor didn't send my SATs <gasps> to anybody. Are you kidding oh, me? Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. And like, I had like a, I had, like a 1490. I was like a was pretty smart cookie. That's and, a crazy, um, the, the SAT score for yeah. listeners has changed now. So if you're thinking what out of yeah. 2200, no, it was out of 1600. Yeah. Uh, not that long ago. Okay. Sorry. Keep yeah, going. Yeah. So yeah, aren't, yeah. so um, didn't send it out to any colleges? Didn't send it out to any colleges. And then when I caught it, cause all my friends were getting their acceptance letters and I was like, smarter than these people why am I not hearing anything <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm happy for them but also what the fuck <laughs> so then I called a few places and they're like oh we don't have your we haven't even looked at your application because we don't have all your stuff and I it, my my guidance counselor became the first adult that I ever yelled at that was outside of my family <laughs> sure yeah I would have too and, 
Yeah. And then I like, I got into like when they finally set it out, I like got into NYU, but I didn't get into Tisch. So they'd be like, you have to be un like uh, undecided for a year. And I was like, how much is your college? Uh, yeah. No, that's not going to happen. No. So I got a scholarship to Drexel and then I ended up going there and I actually loved it. Like it's that's in Philadelphia. So I lived there for four years, but they, and, and too much to the consternation of my professors, I was like, cool, we're making short films that sketches, sketches is what I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd be like, no, but like write something sad. And I'd be like, who gives a shit about six minutes of sad stuff? I can get a lot of jokes into six minutes instead. So I just um, really, really honed, I think, my sense of comedy, uh, my, my own sense of like humor through like writing sketches, which makes sense with like my stand up is like kind of I tell stories and try to paint pictures and stuff like that. I think it comes from coming up that way. And then my senior year, I was much college in Philly. So I went to New York once a week to do uh, sketch classes at the uh, UCB in New York because I was like, I want something else. I want like want to. I want, I want like uh, people that are actually comedians to like teach me something before I, I go somewhere. And then when I graduated, it was, you know, a- LA or New York. And uh, I'm just not a massive New York fan. It's like not for me. Um, and so I picked LA, moved out here and uh, kind of fell in love with like stand up pretty quickly. Had never really paid that much attention to it, really, because like the comics in the 90s that were on TV when I was coming up, like most of them were just like, kind of bro-y and like I liked older comics like obviously a big fan of like Carlin and stuff like that but like um you're more at that time underground comics I'd never really heard of like uh, Maria or um like Brian Hussein or Patton Oswalt was like just starting to pop about this is 12 13 years ago now and I remember seeing them at like UCB shows for for, for free you know I'd go for, pay five dollars you see Paula Tompkins and so all these comics that are massive and I was like what is this kind of stand-up because this speaks to me and it's like technically called alt comedy but so do you does that label bother you just to jump in because I know some people struggle with that label I mean I think it's a little outdated now because like initially alt comedy meant like literally just alternative to comedy clubs which kind of came out out of the 90s and it's kind of hit a place where I think like more people think of it now as just like a weird comic that isn't necessarily doing like straight up like punchline jokes. But I also don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think to really be the most well-rounded performer you can be, you want to be able to hit clubs and and do like your weird venues and stuff. And if you can make your jokes work in all those environments, then you're bulletproof. You know, I mean, as you tour the country, I, I get called an alt comic a lot because I my hair is like different colors all the time, um, which is hilarious, <laughs> but yeah. like, like, okay, cool. What right. year is it? Who cares? That my hair is green? Um, <laughs> there's like a robot on Mars, but my hair is green. I guess I'm crazy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Cool guys. Cool. Um, We're doing it. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's, I, I answer to it because people call me it enough, but also I'm like, I, I do well in clubs too. It takes a while. It depends on where you want to come up basically, I think. Can And just to jump in. So for the audience that would be listening, like we get a lot of listeners, listeners in the Midwest who are not affiliated with comedy at all. Is the distinction gotcha. between performing at what would be a standalone club that who's, you know, like the, I don't know, the improv or the ice house yeah. or whatever. Is there an actual distinction between opportunities that arrive from performing at a club like that versus a quote unquote alt room that might be the basement of a restaurant or the, you know, yeah. I don't know, wherever else? Well, I, I mean, I, speaking to L.A. specifically, I feel like our our industry tends to go mostly to the clubs. Um, some people that like, you know, really want to 
push their roster and are, are more interested in like the art of stand-up will kind of hit a wide gamut of all of that stuff in uh the midwest where you're, you're most of your comedy clubs are outside of la la and new york their comedy clubs run on showcases which is like you'll have like 10 or 12 comics a night um doing like five to ten minutes each basically but most clubs and people in the midwest like if you go to comedy clubs you're used to shows that work with like a host and then a feature and a headliner and you're usually booked for like a weekend as a headliner so you're doing 45 minutes one or two times a week between thursday and sunday and if you come up through a club system, accessing that is a little bit easier versus being an alt comic. But it's also difficult if, if you're like a woman. Um, uh, you know, what? Of, uh, that yeah, feels it's, aggressive. It's, crazy? <laughs> uh, it's hard to be a woman in comedy. What? Uh, who knew? <laughs> Brand new. Um, but if you so which I think is also where like the alt space is still great because like you can kind of create um, your own spaces there. Like I do. When I tour, I'll like book like a weekend or a couple days at a club or something, but I will do alt rooms around it. On at the club, I might make, you know, you make a couple thousand dollars a weekend, but then like on your Tuesday through Thursday or whatever, you're doing shows that are like one nighters with local comics that are throwing it. So you're meeting like the local scene in different cities and you're um you're making like a hundred bucks a night or whatever, but it covers your stuff. So who cares? And it like it kind of hits the best of both worlds, I think. And that- people that tend to come out to those kind of shows are more they'll kind of look up who comics are a little bit more than your club audiences tend to just be like, I want to go see comedy tonight. And they don't necessarily know what that means. And comics are very, very different from each other. So you could really love a headliner or you could not. Sure. (laughs) Um, So people that come to alt shows tend to have looked at a lineup and been like, Oh, okay. I like, like I, they, they know a little bit more about it. Um, Okay. And so to jump back to your, to your origin story. So, you yeah. come out to L.A. and you you were like, comedy's for me. Oh, wait a minute. These these cool sort of, quote unquote, different comics who aren't doing set up punchline jo- or set up joke punchline, yeah. whatever that. So you that speaks mm-hmm. to you. What is the next step then? Like, how did you were you just like, I guess, open mics for me or how did you know what to do next? I mean, I I didn't really. I, I Googled it. Uh, I was like, how the hell do you be my comic? And I, uh, the Improv Olympic, which is like a, an improv theater out here, had a four-week stand-up comedy workshop that was starting right around my birthday, my 25th birthday. And I was like, you know what? About let's to try it. it. Let's just see. But let's see if I like this or not. Because, you know, I, I was used to taking classes and stuff like that. So I, it felt like some structure and some just some understanding of how to do it. I ended up arguing with my teacher the entire time because uh, I did not like her style of stand up. Wait, why? <laughs> she, was like, she was just like super hacky and just like um, it was out of the gate. It was important for me to write jokes that like to, to not put on like a character that was fake. I wanted to write like from my own experiences and I would like bring a premise in and she'd be like, okay. And then you should be like, and then I'm a huge slut. And I'd be like, well, that's fine if I was, but I'm not. So I'm not going to write from that perspective. Cause yeah. ultimately if you write from, I, I mean, I, 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 my opinion is like if with stand up and stuff like that, if you're writing from a place that is not genuine, you will find a wall because audiences can tell they smell it yeah audiences always know when you're lying to them yep they might not even realize that you're lying but they check out because they can feel that something is wrong in the room you get into a very uncanny valley space so (sighs) yeah it's like a weird thing we're like why am i watching i don't like it something's wrong but i don't know what it is but i don't know that energy Mm -hmm. yeah 100% feel the energy shift in the room so i I did that with her it's funny because i one of my really good friends is a, a tv writer that i met in that class 
and we like our comedy anniversary is the same anniversary every year she's she's written on a bunch of roasts and tv shows and stuff and it's like where it's we we very quickly were like Something's up. Sucks. <laughs> so we like, I remember like one of us said something. We looked at the other one. And we're like, oh, you get it. Okay, cool. <laughs> we're on the same team. I just remember her being like, you're like the um, the teacher being like, you're like a Janine Garofalo type to me. And I was like, oh, is that a bad thing? Because yeah. I know who she is and I don't know who you are. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was in, in my your head. head. I was like, lady <laughs> i'm gonna easy. clock that like no noted okay, so so you're cool. in this class and you're but you're so did you actually get something out of it because if your teacher was telling you bad yeah. advice were you did you learn anything yeah it made me it made me justify what i thought was funny very quickly so mm. it kind of made me talk through like defend myself and like why i wanted to say certain things on stage and oh, it was wow. like i think it made me consciously debate that versus taking longer just to find what I liked and what I didn't. It was like nice to be challenged by it, by it. Sure. To be like, no, I don't want to do that. This is what I want to do. This is the joke that I, I like or whatever. And not that it was all, all that is like funny or whatever, but it, it definitely, I'm glad that it was a short thing. It kind of just to get my feet wet. And from there I jumped right into open mics. Oof, um, that grind is so specific. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a very specific grind that it like, when, when you're starting also, I, I always think of like stand up as um, the art of learning to fail gracefully. Oh, uh, what a great way of saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Because even like when you're starting, you bomb all the time and it's you learning to just fail in public with like some grace and be like, OK, Ooh. OK, what's a way that uh, I can <laughs> save myself here? And even when you've been doing it for a long time and you get to a point that like you have a really good set, the the parts in the set that 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 still need work, even though they aren't perceived as a bomb to an audience, you're like, mm, that didn't hit as hard as I wanted it to. Wow. So you're, you have moment, tiny moments of failure. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Cause I don't think failure is necessarily bad, but like you have these tiny moments that you're like, Ooh, there's still work to be done there. And you learn to kind of embrace that. I think over time, um, uh, that, that, like, that makes me want to throw up all over myself, all over my feet <laughs> and die in a fire. Like I can't, the, the thought of being oh, so yeah. fucking vulnerable. I always say the best comics unzip their skin, but I guess yeah. every comic is sort of, you guys are all unzipping your skin by choosing to be in a, in a situation where, yes, people want to laugh, but they also want to criticize. And I think the yeah. thing about open mics in those rooms mm-hmm. that I've observed is you're also performing for other comics who also want to make it and are also on the grind. And so trying to impress them, they mm-hmm. want you yeah. to fail because there's this weird, in my, in my opinion, mm-hmm. misconception that mm-hmm. if you fail, all of a sudden they've succeeded. And yes. I hate that vibe. Yeah. I can't get down mm-hmm. with that at all. So how yeah. did you, especially as a woman, how mm-hmm. did you, uh, how did you reckon that? Or reckon, what's the word I'm looking for? How did reconcile. you, re- th- Jesus, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Corona brain. Yeah. How did you reconcile <laughs> that in your head where you were thinking, okay, I am openly knowing I'm going to fail. How do you mm-hmm. find the chutzpah to keep going? I think just like it, I looked at it as a challenge and mm-hmm. was like, I know that I'm smart enough. Well, number one, you once you go to an open mic, uh, if you are just like not a crazy person who says horrible things, you're not going to be the worst person in the room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no so, comic has ever answered the question. Way. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> I think it just starts from a place of just like, okay, well, uh, I'm not the worst person in the room because I didn't admit a hate crime on stage. Uh, so I think I'm going <laughs> to think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> amazing. Okay. Yeah. So I'll be, I'll, I'm starting out from a place that it's fine. Um, <laughs> and then you just have to like give yourself the, 
the, the gift of the patience to know that like, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get there and it's going to take time and, but I will figure it out. And, and also watching mics and watching other people go up. I think a lot of comics make the mistake of just doing a set and leaving or leaving the room and hanging out or whatever. But when you watch an open mic, you learn so much from watching other people and what they do right and what they don't do right. And then you, you, you save yourself a lot of those lessons by being like, oh, oh, okay. It's weird that they didn't move the mic stand out of the way. Okay. Oh, it's weird that they like, oh, this is a moment that they lost me in that joke. And like, oh, wow. You, like I would treat it like, okay, this is like a three hour class. class like I yeah. did, I, I presented my thing, but I'm still in class and I'm going to watch this entire thing. And then, you know, you, you learn from that. And it is just like, I was very lucky that when I came up, a, a lot of my friends started at the same time where we were all like very supportive of each other. Mm. And um, we like would go to the same mics and like, it became this like, oh, cool. Like, I like, that was funny. What about this? Like, we kind of were very collaborative with helping each other, like, build up a little bit, which is not always the case. And often there is, like, a very toxic, you know, feeling at a lot of mics because you kind of just have, it attracts a very um, borderline personality. Hello. (laughs) That is so real. That is so real. real. Yeah. So, and I think I also just, I I don't entirely know where it comes from, but I just was always like, well, once I get, past the part of my caveman brain that thinks if people don't laugh at me, then I'm going to die, which Mm, that's not going to happen. And it's just knowing that once you get past that, then all bets are off. And just also in LA, we're very blessed by getting to watch a lot of big comics work and seeing somebody big bomb or like tank a joke or something. And you're like, oh, well, if they still do it, it's a process. For sure. And know. what has been interesting for me to watch is a comic whose joke I think is hilarious and the 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 delivery mm-hmm. is perfect and the yeah. crowd like a room full of 400 people doesn't yes. respond and I'm like but that mm-hmm. joke was fucking brilliant like that was so yeah. funny and then watching them yeah. never do it again and being like but Absolutely. but that joke was so good. Yeah. It's Exactly. Yeah. Well like that, that's where you get um I, that's where the addiction for, like came in for me where I was like, oh, this is interesting because it's challenging in a different way every single night. Mm. Like you could do the exact same set in the exact same order and you can be on the ball for both times at two different shows in one night and it goes two completely different ways. And that's where it takes a long time to get to this point. But then I think like the set, the, the lesson of like, you can't, you can't speed through the reps. If you're an amazing writer that mm. will like only help you so far, but like there's something, there's an unspoken thing that happens to you the more that you're on stage that you just learn to without even saying it you manipulate the energy in the room and it's kind of just a weird thing that you it's like it's 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 like a comedic gravitas there's just something Mm -hmm. about just like you you and you only get that from doing over time and like knowing what it's like to feel to feel comfortable on that stage and to not you, the audience needs to know that you are in charge. Uh, uh, girl, I wish yes. I wish other people would yeah. say that a hundred, mm-hmm. th- a million percent. Mm-hmm. Yes, that. Yeah. yeah, the moment that you lose a room, even if you're bombing and you're like, yes. well, this fucking sucks, they will still laugh at you. If you ride the it. second, yes. Yep. If, you, if you give in to the fear and if an audience senses your fear, then they don't know who's in charge anymore. Oh, and they hate that. That, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you feel the uncertainty. Like, I always call it, like, if I'm about to go on stage at, like, a big show, and I'm, like, a little bit nervous backstage, I, like, do this thing where I I, I just look at myself, and I'm like, you're about to be a casual alpha. 
Ooh. and everyone's going to be cool with it. You're in charge, but everybody's cool with it. Oh, casual like, alpha. I'm writing that down. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And that's like the energy. And you know, that, that becomes the thing that you're searching for. We are just like, Oh no, I'm in control. People don't even realize what's happening, but they like, it's, it's like when you watch somebody tell a story and the whole room is turning and looking at them. It's mm. like that there's just an unspoken charisma there that you, you can have some of it to start out with, but it is a muscle that you build over time. And there's no way to, there's no way to shortcut it. There's just no way to do it. I totally agree. It's like, it's like dealing with toddlers. You have Mm -hmm. to, it's almost like watching the comics that do the best tell the room like it's not a oh fuck you like Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think that energy rides but it's Mm a sit down guys I got this no 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 we're not this this isn't a conversation you're gonna Mm -hmm. sit there you're gonna drink this you're gonna eat this and I will make you laugh so shut up at that yeah I 100% agree it's just like hey baby I'm in charge right now we're gonna have a good time we're gonna have a good time Yes, exactly. I'm I'm mama right now. 100%. 100%. <laughs> or I'm daddy, depending on the energy that the okay. crowd needs that night. <laughs> okay. That <laughs> yeah. is so real. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you so comedy is sort of a wash. You're like, "Oh, this is for me." Do you rem- was yeah. there a particular show that you did or a set that you had where you were like lo- clicked in and you were like, "Oh, I want to have this drug forever." Or was it just you just knew that early on with theaters or with uh, with school or what was the, was there a moment? Oh, classes. Oh, there, well, there was. So my and why I, why I think it's a good idea to to do a something to start that's a little bit more structured. And like there are very predatory comedy classes out there like yeah. those can be kind of bad. But like something that is just like our graduation show, we had like a crowd and like. I have the tape. I've crushed that set. I, I mean, my, my cadence is totally different. I came out, I was aggressive in a way that I am not on stage. And I can feel, looking back now, I can see the fear, but my jokes and my adrenaline pushed me through and I had a great set. And it became this like, oh, oh I'm, I have the potential to be very good at this. And it was like a very first like, okay, got it. Like everything, when everything clicks into place, you like, and no one got like a taste of it during that set, but you like enter this fugue state kind of, mm where you're almost like watching yourself and Ooh. you just know that anything you're about to say is going to set the room off. Yeah. When you're, when you're like fully in charge of room and I only felt it for like a second in that set, but it, it becomes this feeling where you're like, Oh, I'm like a maestro for a room full of people. And they were like in the palm of my hand. That feeling was just like so cool. And yeah. just like, Oh wow. Look what I'm capable of. It's like, you, you're like, you're like channeling something from, like a fucking comedy thing that you, you've <laughs> yeah. never even, you know, it's an entity. I don't even know what it is, but yeah. it's like this thing that you're just like, I don't know. It, it's, it's just like an amazing energy that you're like, Oh wow. How can I tap into that? Cause this is like the height of, this is like the height of the height of what I can, of what I am capable of with comedy. Mm. And like you start chasing that. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that I don't do it in like a, I, I, I like have been very conscious of like trying to have a life outside of it and like not making that my only thing. Good. Cause I also do think that it serves your comedy. If like you don't end up just being yes. a comedian because you yes. gotta be relatable. Yes. Um, you got to be in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I also don't want to give that much control of my happiness to other people and to gatekeepers having to say yes or no to me along the way. Girl, um, this is huge. Know, yeah. <laughs> it's why you've had success. I mean, it's you're also yeah. hilarious. But this is I mean, yeah. yes, you are saying exactly yeah. what I've observed. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so at what point so to so sort of get us to today and we will we're going to the next section is where we talk about yes she did have customer service jobs she didn't come out the womb successful y'all oh, calm down everybody yeah. she's yes. had a few what were so so for now do mm-hmm. you feel like 
uh, sort of that comedy because that is your your bread and butter. So yes. what was yeah. the transition where you were like, I'm going to step off this cliff and I'm mm -hmm. comedy is this is how I am. This is my life now. Like uh, not your whole life. Obviously, you have a life outside that. But yeah, like yeah. this is what well, like, I'm the way that it becomes the thing. Well, yes. When I was starting in L.A., I like started I, I started running an open mic that went really well and that was really fun. And then I started getting asked to host on different shows around town from there. And you kind of just start getting booked on like bad shows and you get booked on better in shows. And that's kind of, you just move up the ranks here and then you get a good tape. And I applied to festivals and stuff like that and got into Bridgetown comedy festival, which is this great festival in Portland. I realized from festivals, you start meeting the people in your class that are the best of the best from all over the country. And like, I, I love travel. Like I have massive wanderlust. I always want to be in a car on the road. Like a highway is just genuinely my favorite place in the world. If I'm not in traffic and I can just go, it's, Same. I could do that forever. I think I was Same. a trucker in a former life or something. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> C, CB radio of my heart. <laughs> so I started just applying to more festivals and just really genuinely enjoyed the people that I met. Cause I was like, oh, this is the level above open mics. Like nobody here is like, a shithead like these like weird these people that I like have to deal with at mics sometimes that are like toxic and just awful and say horrible shit to you and it's like oh they aren't allowed here this is like how you mm. level up because they're like you know you have to get approved for tapes and stuff like that so I started I'd get into a festival and then I would book like a week around it basically of like try to do little weird one-nighters or like, the local shows in that city or something because then I knew from other festivals I knew people in those cities so you kind of start building this web all over the country of mm. like knowing like, okay, if I go to like Atlanta, these are like my friends in Atlanta, they can hook me up with like what to do. And I don't have an hour yet, but I can do like 20 minutes and like headline a thing or whatever. So you kind of just start building, building the map a little bit that way. And um, wow. I was lucky because I had a, had a marketing job. I was a social media coordinator, at an automotive marketing firm, which was so weird but informs probably some of how you like your website's beautiful probably informs oh, some of that stuff yeah and I kind of just like comedy kind of got me that job too because mm. I um I'd been a PA uh when I first moved out here I did like PA work and then I kind of quickly got scooped up and became like a travel coordinator on things like on reality shows and stuff like that which actually that has a very bit of huge help with comedy too just like being able to organize a tour and knowing how to like oh. like I have I have this Excel sheet that is fucking beautiful. And <laughs> if you're booking a tour and you use it, you will never be worried about where you are any night, oh, like wow. how long the drives are, what time zones you're entering into, who you're staying with, how much I, money you're making. It, it's, wow. it's just like, I, I just, that job made me, that travel coordinating job made me like very like diligent about like the logistics because mm. once those are down then you don't have to think about them you don't have to be stressed about them it's just no it's just booked it's done and it just made it really easy but from there i th this marketing company does like outdoor events and stuff like that and uh they i i did like a weekend thing for them through some but some some pa and then one of the guys there was like oh you're super funny he's like, oh, i'm a comic he followed me on twitter and then he was like do you do social media stuff like because it I don't you don't realize this if you're creative but like tweeting is like a thing that these corporations and stuff it's like it's magic to them they're like mm. you can write you're a, you know how to be a person and share that with people <laughs> we were just psychopaths to take all your money um, <laughs> hardcore facts <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so they just so they thought you were a I, magician yeah they thought I was a magician and it kind of scooped me up and then I was like 
writing tweets for a couple car brands and stuff for a while wow. through them. And that was like a part-time gig that I could, I, I pushed to be able to do remotely as much as possible. Uh, and um, so I would take that on the road with me and stuff like that. That's brilliant. Um, yeah. When I kind of started and that was, that was deeply helpful. <laughs> so it was, a, that was what helped you. You were like, I have these little side hustles that are going to help yeah. me step over the edge and really make comedy my whole thing. Yes. Yeah. I've like always, spun different plates at different times. I mean, I, when I was a PA, I've been, I've been a karaoke host. I've been a Lyft driver. Um, Ooh, I, I'm going to get into all I, that. I also, I'm a, I'm a bookkeeper. I learned how to do that. Um, which Maybe. is also like an incredibly helpful skill. And I think that like, if you are your own business, it's like important to understand how to keep your own books and to like understand your, your stuff. Cause I, I take care of my own stuff and I take care of lady to lady, my podcast too. So it's like good to kind of just know all of those things. Well, and this isn't, I just, sorry, I just want to jump in. Like this is, this podcast isn't necessarily about that, but I do want to jump in and say, so do you feel like, you know, having, because I think some people think as soon as I've stepped into my creativity, that will be the only thing that I'm now doing. Mm -hmm. And that is my marker of success. And Mm -hmm. I bring up, I mean, this is a weird example, but Erica Badu is a doula or um, uh, Tom Hardy is also a real estate agent. So Mm -hmm. I think that there's this misconception that the interpretation of full blown success is that that is literally the only way you make your money. And it's like, why did Jessica Alba start the honest company? You know, why are these people getting into other things? And I, and I think it speaks to your brilliance that you are like, of course you have other plates going in the air because, because of course Mm -hmm. you do, because that's, you never want one to go away and be like, Oh my God, my entire income. COVID. I was (laughs) just hundred percent COVID. I mean, I I've maintained bookkeeping and stuff I can do remotely. And I've had like a roster of like four or five clients that it's very easy for me just to do their stuff from it because it's just doing it looking at bank accounts once a month basically and I can do that from wherever so that that's been something that I've been able to kind of keep going when all like the road work dried up you know and I've been able to pick up a few people along the way too and it's also like I think a lot of creatives have to be like I'm creative I don't want to deal with all this stuff no you're a business and you need to understand as the CEO of your business how to run every aspect of your business because yep. otherwise you will give your money away to people yep. who not necessarily will take advantage of you, but we've heard enough stories in this town yep. that shit happens. Yep. So you got to be able to like speak to your stuff mm-hmm. and you know, no, no, no one is going to work harder for you than you're going to work for yourself. hundred percent. So you need to know how to handle it from every angle. And if you're bad at math, whatever, you can hire people, whatever, like, you know, it, it's all good, but like, you need to understand that's what I need for this to be moving forward too. So, and I, I think a lot of those jobs, they also inform other parts of your creativity too. Sure. Where it's like Erica Badu's a, a doula. That's a very spiritual thing to do. Like, does that inform her music? 100%. Even if she doesn't say I'm a doula in a song. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what her current catalog is like, but <laughs> that's, that's the number one hit actually is the I'm a doula song. So <laughs> Erica, but Erica Badula. There oh boy. Oh boy. But, um, sh- there it is. Where's that midnight when you need it? Um, <laughs> but I agree with you that it does inform other parts of your creativity and not to okay. share too much, but you did yeah. share a story about how you figured mm-hmm. something out that was mm-hmm. not fantastic on the business side of things for the the podcast. Yeah. And you, mm-hmm. you figured that out because you keep the numbers yeah. and you're a smart girl exactly. and you were like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. And it informed and it wasn't, you know, anyway. I So, yeah, yeah. I think even your side hustle, per, yeah. you know, informed your creativity. 
Exactly. And like also not necessarily everybody works like this. There are some creatives that like, I don't even know if this is actually true, but they say that they like they are at their best in chaos. That is Mm. not me. Um, I don't necessarily even think that's them, but that's their journey to figure out, man. Um, (laughs) But I I find freedom comes from no having the shit down that I can have down Mm. and then I don't need to think about it. And like knowing knowing that like the logistics of something are like sound and taken care of and like I know where my money is financial stress is oh oh it it, it 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 nobody thrives from it no one zero know? zero and, I people. mean it's it's not good for anybody I mean mm-hmm. and you know that starving artist like I I'm Ooh. so I do not want to be that I, I want to have a nice life regardless and mm. you know I'm not killing it but I also I know how to because I know what is coming in and what's not, I know how low to keep my overhead at to have wow. the freedom to do what I want. And that comes from like taking the discipline to be like, okay, cool. This is like how much is probably going to come in. This is where money needs to go. And this is like, this is the means I need to live at to be able to maintain the lifestyle that I want, but also have the freedom that I want. Ooh. And it's just important to know that. Otherwise we got to rack up a bunch of debt. Like nothing's going to be worth through creativity. Then like you got bad credit, all your credit cards are out. And I've also been there. I mean, yeah. I'm going to say that I haven't been there because sure. I just like at a certain point was like so poor with stuff that it just, that's just yep. what happened. But life. I understood it and you work back for it because that, that like laying in bed at night being like, where the fuck oh. does rent come from this month is who's so specifically who's terrible. Anything good out of no, that. Zero that of the becomes, people. That's your whole brain at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you aren't a trust fund kid, then that is like a very big reality. hundred percent. hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Okay. So, well, uh, that's an amazing, you just gave so many pearls of wisdom to people who are looking at getting into this world. So, um, well, we hope you folks enjoyed your apps. We're going to go on to the entrees after a quick break. We are back and now it is time for the entrees. So, okay. This is the speed round of questions. This is the, this is where we talk about customer service, everybody. So she's done it. Great. She's so here we go. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was your first job ever, ever, ever working at my dad's accounting firm? Okay. From fifth grade, fifth grade on from yeah. fifth grade. Were you legally yeah. allowed to work at that time? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not okay. really. I was just like, like putting stickers on envelopes and stuff like that for Aww. years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how many, how long did that job last? Um, that was like, like every summer, I, that was kind of what I would just go to work with him for a couple of days a week to like, give my, give my mom a break, I think basically. And Bless. my dad also to be like, let me, I, I, I don't want to pay anybody more. <laughs> basically, I get like a hundred bucks a week. I was just going to say he wasn't paying you. That's bullshit. But a hundred bucks a week. Got, okay. Like, yeah. A hundred bucks a week. But I was like 10 or 11. I was just like, I'm rolling it. So and now I'm an adult. Money. I'm just like, I was child labor, dude. <laughs> How could you do this? That was a warehouse, you asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I learned how to be in an office, which I like is, I've, as I've grown, I've learned is like a skill that is invaluable is just sure. knowing how to do office shit basically. Sure. You know? I mean, it, that goes a long way. So I did, I mean, I did that, I mean, every summer until I was a senior, uh, until as long as I lived there, like I've, wow. a couple days a week, I'd go help them in. And that's like where I learned a lot. I learned, I learned how to bookkeep from that basically. And like very basic stuff. But like, as I got older, it was like, Oh, okay. I kind of get this a little bit and like, just kind of came up knowing that. Were you ever interfacing, interfacing with his clients or was it always mm. envelope? Well, that's kind of nice that you didn't have to deal with humans. Yeah. No, I never had to deal with them. It was mostly just like, data input and like matching up like like a lot of bookkeeping is just literally looking at like a bank statement and making sure that all the transactions from the bank statement are in 
in the accounting software, just making sure that the numbers all add up. So it's just like very kind of basic that stuff and like learning how to just do that. And that doesn't so make that you was, crazy. That kind of that kind of work. Do you find it I cathartic? Mean, because of how like ethereal like comedy can be, because there's no right and wrong answer. There is something about math that oh. like is a little bit fun because I'm just like when like when like there's like a zero difference and you're just like nailed it that's done and there's nothing else I need to do oh it's tangible so just like, yeah yeah it's tangible it's just nice to be like cool that's done I don't need to there's like but is there a tag to this bank statement no it's like, that's not, <laughs> that doesn't it's, exist it just has to zero out that's <laughs> that's awesome okay yeah, yeah exactly okay um, so yeah this question's a bit more laborious uh, how many customer service jobs have you had total and feel free to count and take your time with this because okay. I wouldn't necessarily count the accounting job as a customer service job. It's a job. But where yeah, when you yeah. were like customer interfacing um, and this can be anything, I, I would count a PA. I would count running yeah, a karaoke yeah. room like those things Absolutely. I would add. My first job after doing after working for my dad, well, that that my sophomore or my senior year summer, I worked for like a rib place. I was like a carryout girl. OK. Um, and cool. just worked in the front of house for that because I was like, I want to work in a restaurant. I never worked in a restaurant. I like want that experience too. like working for my dad is fine but i don't know i want to talk to a weird chef <laughs> and then i learned i was like oh no you don't no no those, no no, no. Those guys are questionable pedophiles sometimes <laughs> um, <laughs> did i say that not, hashtag not all chefs but um i'm keeping that of, in enough of them that you're enough like wait you're 30 and you have a child do you know that i am do you know that i am 17 please leave me alone <laughs> Yeah. Um, I worked, I worked okay. at a rib, rib joint okay, for so about six months that's until one. I graduated. Okay. In college, I worked at uh, like a t- the TV station at our at our camp college campus, and kind of just dealing with like booking the um, the schedule and stuff for that with people. Oh, I would count that. Was, yeah, I definitely counted. I mean, it was like a lot of public access weirdos and stuff like that. Oh, God, <laughs> I can't imagine. With. I cannot imagine. Okay. Um, yeah. And then a, a, a ton of PA, PA work. I mean, in, in Philly and then in when I moved out here, I was started out as a PA on this indie movie when I graduated the summer after I graduated college that uh, the top of like this, not Cutco Knives, but a knife company that is like Cutco Knives. Oh. The top of the pyramid man wanted to make a movie about growing up in New Jersey in the summer. Oh, um, and he thought he needed a PA, but what he needed was a line producer. Ooh. And I like... Did you end I, up being the line producer? I became the line producer. Ooh. I like figured out how to make a movie. Oh, with that is this so guy. hard. That is it was, so much work. It was insane. I mean, it really was like, it, it put me through the paces of just like, oh, you don't know anything. And all I have is like what I just learned in film school, which, you know, was helpful, but not more like, than he knew, though. Yeah, as much more than he knew. So that was like that that summer was that. So I was just literally like setting up casting and dealing with like literally oh every God. aspect of making this like weird indie film. It's not very good, but I learned a <laughs> ton. Also, it was so funny because he was this like Jersey Italian dude and there's a lot of like pool party scenes and stuff with a bunch of like teens just like having a good time. Shocking. But then he would literally order fucking Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast for the entire cast and crew and then he would get lunch catered by his Italian restaurant buddies. So he'd be bringing in like pizza and fettuccine alfredo to a pool party and i'd have to be like done all these girls in bikinis are not about to shove fettuccine alfredo not in one their of faces not they're one. not gonna do that you gotta have a salad on set my man like just didn't didn't have <laughs> words and you're like all right cool you you know everything got it nice yeah, guy like, all right man that's cool they're not eating uh so. so all right i guess it's fine what was that movie called do you remember uh, our summer movie. 
Our summer movie. I'm writing it down. Our summer movie. Okay. It's, it's, um, I, I forget what I'm listed out on IMDb, but like. You I should have been like, line producer. I, I fucking made that thing. Okay. So where I <laughs> um, counted, I did yeah. like roughly three PA jobs so that yes. just to give you. So and, and you did. Did you do a ton of PA work in L.A.? Was that the only job you did on the East Coast that was PA work? And then you uh, came to LA? No, I worked on a couple of like documentaries and stuff like that throughout okay. college. Um, I'm going to give you two and more. And then okay. when I moved out here, it was like PA work initially. I started out kind of as a talent PA on a few different shows. And then oh, I was a, so um, hard. a PA on music videos for, uh, I worked for anonymous content for a while and I was there. Um, I was like a PA for music videos with them. And one of my first, when I first jobs out here, I was a PA on a music video directed by Joaquin Phoenix. Wow. And he, I forget what the band's name was called, but he had like a, a bunch of his friends doing cameos and stuff like that. So you have to see like Christian Slater in person, which was funny. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was, it, he was very funny too because like they had a, um, they had a catering truck for all the cameos and stuff like that, but he just ate the extras pizza because he didn't want any salmon. He was like, I'd rather eat just pizza. <laughs> he just hung out with the extras. Funny. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was like very endearing. I was like, Christian Slater's cool, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're like a dope dude. Well, and it's apt that you would bring up his name because the Ugly Betty, I don't know if you were, I'm, I'm in Ohio, so I'm watching a lot of cable TV and on USA. Yeah, yeah. The that yeah. it, he was so good in it. I hated him. I was like, you're yeah. a really good actor. Um, really good actor. He is a good yeah. actor. Okay, so you did a handful. So I've got you up to like nine. Um, mm-hmm. Did you do? Okay, so what got you? I count Lyft. I think that 100 yeah. percent counts. Lyft is a Lyft is a big time customer service job. Oh. And I mean Lyft Lyft. I actually do credit Lyft and the karaoke. I was a karaoke host for three years Okay. Um, at All Star Lanes out here at Eagle Rock, which what? is a weird, it's a bowling alley, yeah. dive bar, Chinese restaurant Wait, I love All Star Lanes, though. If you go to LA, oh, yeah. uh, folks, yeah. you should absolutely yeah. go. It's so much fun. That would have been the most fun to do a karaoke room there. I didn't know they did karaoke there. It was a blast. I mean, well, it was a blast when, it wa- when I wanted to host. When There is nothing oh. harder than hosting oh. four hours of karaoke when you do not want to be there but oh. it made me a better comic because i really had to like dig deep and find that enthusiasm and like the energy to host the room because i i really tried to treat it as a show all the time where i'd be like all right cool man let's get this next person up on stage he was hosting and that is i i, re- I really credit doing that as a big reason for finding that like casual alpha energy wow. because it wasn't about there weren't jokes, like there's no jokes to host in karaoke. You could have a throwaway line here or there, but it's like you were in charge of a room in an unspoken way. And you got to like tell drunks to go away, you know, like, Hey man, look, you got bumped because you didn't tip me. That's how it's going to go. And you got to be like funny with that person, but also let them know, get the fuck away from me without like getting into a confrontation. Wow. And so, so much of that kind of just dealing with these people, that attitude kind of like, I brought that over to stand up for like rowdy shows, especially it's just like learning how to like deal with people and I'm more prepared on a stand up stage, but like doing karaoke, it was like, cause that place was like, it's it, for those who have never been, it does not feel like you're in Los Angeles. It feels nope. like a like roadhouse. It feels like the, the town I grew nowhere. up in. It's so yeah, fun. T- town like Eagle Rock, California has townies. Sure does. They're not, they're not Angelinos. They are no. townies of Eagle Rock specifically. Uh-huh. And they don't, and they work in Eagle Rock and they live in Eagle yeah. Rock and they never, it's like its own yeah. city. Yeah. yeah I totally agree. High school at Eagle Rock High. Sure they still is. go to the football games. And you're like, uh-huh. you live in LA. You and you're high school football games. And you're 50. What are, and you have you're no 50. kids on the team. What are you no. doing? <laughs> it's, 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 it's very funny. And it's, it's a, it's a, it, that place trained me for the road a lot because it was just like, what a great Oh, point. this is not, this is not LA. This, feels like the this feels like the midwest it's sure. a blast 
but yeah, so that um, karaoke is a huge thing. And then Lyft, I just kind of, I, I got rid of the karaoke job because I started driving for Lyft. And at the beginning of Lyft, you used to make a fuck ton of money driving for Lyft. Really? Yeah. The begin at the very very beginning of Lyft because I was like an early adopter because I remember doing shows in San Francisco and seeing the big pink mustaches. Do you remember like the really yep. big one yeah. that first came or out? They, and they'd put them on the front of the car, right? Mm-hmm. And in the dashboard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep, I remember seeing those and I was like, "How's the that? Fuck is that?" And yeah. somebody in San Francisco told me, and I, they were like, "Yeah, it, the drivers make a ton of money." So when it came to LA, I like knew what it was and I immediately signed up. I mean, I. It's funny because when I started, you got to, you went to driver training in person. Oh, wow. And that became, that completely went away. That became like a, you like answered a couple questions on an app. There was a whole thing that you did, but I did it in person with like five or six other people. And mm-hmm. like, it was very silly because you literally like, they would have you act out how to be a driver because also at the beginning of Lyft, they were like, we're the friend with the car. She'd like fist bump people. Stop. And like, <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they like, they wanted you to like, be like, Hey, come sit in the front seat with me let's fist bump and have a good time like they wanted you to do that and like i acted it up i was like yeah sure they had so you had you sitting in these two bouncy balls and you bounce up and down and you'd be like this brandy i'm a driver brandy that's like what, that's dude a- that's like what it used to be when you first started as a lift driver it was the the onboarding was crazy it was just this like weird little like pink mustache cult of like happy happy joy joy people and i was like that is not my energy but for this money i'll do it okay, I will whatever do- <laughs> wait are you comfortable saying specifically how much you could make okay. when you how much Absolutely. how much when you when you first started for Lyft, they they gave you a base rate, which they took away over time. Wow! The, the base rate because they they knew they weren't going to get a lot of rides, as it was like the, the advertising was going out and everything. During the week, Monday through Thursday, you'd make twenty five an hour, and on the weekend, you made thirty five an hour. Holy God! You wouldn't even yeah. need tips. That's a that's a grip of money. That's good. Yeah, it's good money. And and because you weren't getting rides, literally, I'd just be at home watching TV or hanging out with people and- for like. And I wouldn't get a call for four and a half hours. And I'd just be like working on stuff on my computer. I'd be, oh, I guess I just made a hundred bucks. And then you give a ride to one person that's going like five miles or something. And you go home and, you know, the the early days of Lyft were like, they ruled. <laughs> I mean, that was manna from heaven. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. So that got you out of karaoke. Yeah, because what the... Most karaoke hosts make more than this, and I, I, I just like didn't want to find more gigs, so whatever, uh, because it like was draining. But that karaoke job was four hours, ten to two a.m., and it was like fifty dollars, and then whatever you made in tips. Wow, so, that fifty like, bucks no for matter. that is not worth it. So, would people yeah. tip? It really depended. I'm sure restaurants are kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Where like the first week of the month after rent has been paid, you're making less tips. Yep. Um, the, the, the third week of the month, you're making the most tips because people just got their second paycheck. Correct. Your weekend right before rent is due is usually pretty light. You're yep. not getting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it really became this, I'm not really sure how much I'm going to make. And I just didn't want to, yeah, that became a thing. And That grind is also know. so specific than not knowing, yeah. especially yeah. because of how you've explained your brain works and also how mm-hmm. – that is part of exactly what you were speaking to earlier of mm-hmm. the, if you're going to bed at night being like, where's my money coming from? You're not being creative. Mm-hmm. But but also if you have all of these various side hustles mm-hmm. and you still can't pay rent, it is yeah. so defeating because yes. then your mind yeah. is still consumed with that and your mm-hmm. time was consumed with that yeah. and you still can't pay rent. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Well, and around the karaoke job was I... Um, the my social media gig they shut down that department of the company oh. so i was 
I luckily got like, I got unemployment for six months and it lined up with like, I knew I was going to start going on the road more. And I'd been waiting. I just was like, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to do what I can. But there's also, you know, I'm not headline. I'm not like headlining clubs. I was headlining like weird bars in the middle of nowhere where you're not making any money. Sure. But I knew I did, I did not want to go back to a job like that because it also took a lot of my brain power for uh. that. I was like, no, I just want like side hustles that like when they're done, they're done. I don't want to have to think about email on my phone. Mm. You know, I don't want to feel like I like, I don't want to feel the responsibility of any job except for comedy. Mm. So the karaoke gig kind of came into my life through a friend that had been doing it before. It was just like looking for somebody to help him for a weekend. And then he just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, (laughs) Which I get. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, totally. So that kind of became just cash under the table while my unemployment was happening. Mm -hmm. And then I, and then when Lyft came to LA, I was like, that is it. Cause Lyft also, you can pick your own schedule completely. Oh, it's the best. Um, That part's great. Yeah. That yeah, great. that part about it is really great. I mean, the the pricing has gotten to a point that is really messed up, but it used you used to make be able to make like legitimate money. Even here, I'm gonna look it up while we're while we're talking. Yes, yeah. my brain is the way that it is. I I used to keep track of like yeah, I did Uber yeah. for a week because I was desperate mm-hmm. to try it right mm-hmm. before I got a bartending gig. And it was, it, I couldn't justify staying in my car for 12 hours mm-hmm. in order to make between a hundred and $150. I just couldn't, I was yeah. like, I don't want my car on for 12 hours. And also that to me, it was like, I'm spending more in gas and maintenance and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So the base level pay when they first started makes sense to me. That feels very mm-hmm. logical. But again, it's the flawed model that exists in restaurants as well, that you, mm-hmm. that the tips become your income mm-hmm. and then you are dependent upon someone else's yeah. generosity to pay your rent. And that is that is its own form of exhaustion that is really tough. Mm-hmm. So I think that model initially makes sense. And I see why you did it. Yeah. I'm opening these up as we go. Yeah, no 13, which is the first year that I did, that I drove for Lyft. And that's the first um, year it came to LA? This is the first year it came to LA. Okay. And so this includes the the hourly that, that they just gave you. And then that, and then it also, they stopped doing that and then it was just based on rides. So that year averaged $20 and 37 cents an hour. Wow. Um, How many hours? Worked? Oh, uh, let me see. I can tell you. That year I worked 250 hours. That start, and I started, what is in May, May, from May through December of that year. You made $4,000 yeah. roughly? 6500 Oh, shit. See, I can't do math. Don't ask me. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. So that's yes. a, that's about 1000 a month. I mean, roughly. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that was paying my rent. And then so 20, tell, let me know if this is also like too much detail. No, this is but great. 20, 2014, I made $22, $22.04 an hour. So it went and, up. And then I drove, I only drove like 200 miles that year, which turned into that. That So that's also the year. Oh, and this was beautiful. For a minute, there was a thing where like Uber was really competing with Lyft and they were like trying to poach Lyft drivers. So okay. they'd be like, if you come drive for Uber, you drive one, you sign on, you sign on with us. And then you, God, I just missed, I missed this. And you do one ride. We will give you a thousand dollars. Yeah. And then any, and then also from there for the next two months, I think it was like, you you drive, you made like 40 bucks an hour, regardless of how many rides you did. Wow. So I did that too. And then also if you signed up other Lyft drivers, you got a thousand dollar bonus for every person that you onboarded. Oh, I would have gotten so many of my friends. I'd be like, just do one ride. I don't care. Just please get me this thousand dollars. I onboarded like a ton of people because I was just like, nope, we're going to do it. (laughs) Did you keep track of how many people you onboarded and how much money you made off of that? I'm just very curious since you're Um, looking at your charts. I onboarded six people. 
God and damn. So I made, I made six, six grand. grand off of, yeah, six grand off of that. And that was over and above what you were making hourly and with threads. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have done the same thing. So how many yeah. hours a week, because you were still doing comedy during that whole time. So how yeah. many hours a week were you putting towards Lyft whilst you were, you know, doing stand up and whatnot? At that time, I think I was still just doing maybe like 10 hours a week or something. That's it wasn't so crazy because awesome. I had like, I think I still had like some unemployment whatever going on. Because like, for whatever reason, I feel like I didn't need to, I, I like, I still had my unemployment going, but I didn't need, to, so I would be, okay, I'm going to extend my unemployment as long as possible by like driving a few hours this week. So then I'm getting less money mm. from unemployment, but like I kind of am balancing it out. So like that unemployment money will just go longer. So then 2015 is when it started going down because 2015 you made, I made 17 bucks an hour with Ooh, that's a significant yeah. draw. That's $5 less yeah. an hour. Ooh, yeah, that sort of dropping. starts to become not worth it because it's the wear and tear yes. on your car. That's exactly. barely above minimum wage. That's tough. Mm-hmm. So then when did you yeah. say you were done with Lyft altogether? 2018 is the last time that I really did. Oh, anything. so you stuck it out even when you weren't making a ton of money. I mean, it, so that year, that 2016 was the year that I started really kind of trying to ramp up like the bookkeeping stuff. But oh. I always kept Lyft on the side is just like a, and, and also it would be like, okay, I'm going on, I'm about to go on tour. I need extra cash. So I'm going to like two weeks beforehand, I'm just going to work full time and just, just, put away money as much as possible. That is the part of that flexibility that is, that is what is so appealing to artists. That's why Mm -hmm. that they're flooded with drivers because that set your own schedule or holy Mm -hmm. shit, I need some money thing is pretty amazing. Oh, exactly. That part is, that part's great. The the problem with it, I I think, and um, I had an ex that did this where he'd be like, cool. If I work really hard, I can make 200 bucks a day. And that means this week I can make a thousand bucks. And then the first day you're like, uh, this kind of sucks. I only made 50 bucks. Okay, that's fine. So the next couple of days, I got to make like, like $350. Make, yes. Mm. Yeah. And then that kind of starts adding up. Then you don't end up making the money that you think you're going to by the end of it. Um, because you just have to be self-disciplined about, about it to be like, I'm not going home until I've made this much money. And that sucks sometimes yeah. because you'll be near your house and then you get a call that takes you out to Encino or whatever. Uh. And you're like, I'm just tired. I was done. I also had like rules that I would apply to myself with Lyft where like, um, I wouldn't drive to Hollywood, uh, on the weekend at all or on any night after the sun went down. Cause any, passenger was not worth it <laughs> no because it's too risky yeah. would you be able to see i thought that on the interface though they wouldn't tell you where the person was going so you wouldn't decline a ride they used to be able to show it to you okay um yeah they changed they they have changed it i think probably because of people like me <laughs> well i mean yeah. and but also it's pissing off their drivers because there have been times I've, I've called a driver to go to the airport and as mm. soon as i get in the car and they start driving they'll go oh, you're going yeah. to the airport and i'd be like yes that's Sorry. what I called you for. Yeah. And they'd say, yeah. God, I wouldn't have accepted it. And then it's like, okay, you can be mad at your company. Like I, I don't, yeah. I mean, I, it's not my fault. I told the app where I was going. So yeah. yeah. Did, yeah. So when you, so you had that set of rules, what other, did you have other rules that you were like, like, how, did you ever kick anybody out of your car or have an experience where you're like, this is unsafe and I'm out. I luckily never had anybody puke in my car. I had Ooh. one girl get very close, uh, which Ooh. is very funny because she, I was driving her in Silver Lake and she picked her up at like some bar, like that tenants in the trees or whatever that yeah. was called. Yeah, yeah. Um, just driving her home to Echo Park or whatever. Which is close and for she, non-Angelinos. It yeah. should be a very yeah. close ride. We're pretty close to each other. Yeah. But she gets in and she is just like very proper. And she was like, I took all the stuff out of my purse. So just so you know, if I puke, I'll just puke into my purse and oh. it'll be okay. Oh, oh, it's so and specific. I, and I was like, I can just pull over. Yeah. And then you can just puke out of my car. Not in my vehicle. Don't puke in your purse. Yeah. 
or or in my car. Neither yeah, are an option. Just, just don't just don't do that. And I remember her just being like, no, no, it's fine. I've done it before. And this purse wash is really easy. So I have a plan, though. I want you to know that I have a plan. And I was like, don't do that. <laughs> Abandoned plan. A jump ship. Not a plan. It's a bad plan. Bad plan. There's lots of plans. Not all plans are good. This is a bad plan. Lady. Um, I was like, well, I'm just going to talk to her about how bad her plan is until I get to her house. And luckily she didn't puke, but oh, she like, smart. and then we got there and she was like, well, I guess I didn't need it. She put everything back in her purse and then she stood up and she got out of my car and then she promptly vomited my car. Oh and, God. And I was just like, Ugh. if you had done it in my, that in my car, would have fucking killed you. It would have killed you. Oh, well, they man. say that the, the I talked to a yeah. driver about it once, and maybe you can confirm or deny this. They said that the policy is they charge the rider has to pay like a five hundred dollar fee, but then the driver only sees a hundred of that, and then you can take your car to a specific uh, handful mm-hmm. of car washes that will detail the interior yeah. at the expense of lift, but you can only get it done twice. And yeah. this driver, cause I smelled it in his car. And then he also had all these like pine refresh, like air fresheners. Yeah. And I said to him, I was like, Woo, this is rough, you know, cause we were friendly. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. Oh no. He goes, the, the, the person that puked in my car, it was a year ago. And he said, I cannot get rid of the smell. And he goes, Lyft made $400 off of that experience. And he was like, yeah. I saw a hundred of that. And he goes, the hundred, he goes, I've, I've gotten my interior detailed three more times, which would have been yeah. five total. And he said, mm-hmm. I still, it's still, and I was like, that's oh. not worth it. It's your own personal car. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Ugh. Which is where like the Hollywood rules came in. Cause I definitely would pick up people like anywhere there's tourists, like people, mm-hmm. especially at Hollywood, people come to Hollywood and they want to be like, I'm like Wild a movie out. star. So I'm just a real piece of shit. <laughs> and they get real drunk and they like they're having their entourage moment and you're oh. like no I'm not, I'm not gonna deal with you it's just not gonna happen it's not, not gonna happen yeah so i just wouldn't do that i i also you learn that like different areas of the city drink in very different ways oh how interesting where, like the west side is more of like um case of beer like frat boy or mm. divorced dad drinking that's what's <laughs> happening out there it's just they're getting like wasted but they're like like beer like they're like happy drunks like i never really picked up any like west side bros that were like shitty or like mean about anything they were just always like fucking yeah let's do this hell yeah really really drunk hey lady are you having a good night you won't you won't come up they're like no i'm good thanks all cool well good nice to meet you like never (laughs) felt unsafe they were great and then hollywood just don't fuck with it not worth it west hollywood people weren't necessarily drunk but they were on a lot of drugs oh that was Um, yes rough that's rough yes yeah a lot of drugs Mm -hmm. um west hollywood also i wouldn't go there at night because it just like wasn't worth it because people weren't going very far and then the traffic is awful um and you would also pick up people that like you get a lot of like people like tourists come to that area too with like the abbey or whatever Mm -hmm. they're like i want to have i want to be like the abbey and then they're just i'm just not not the right person for that uh i'm not gonna do it no thanks and the east the east side people just like want like really good bourbon and like the liquor is more of like an east side thing so they wouldn't get as like sloppy wasted yeah but they would be like it was just like a different kind of drunk like you could tell they were like I'm going to like, I'm going to drink tonight, but I, not enough that I'm going to miss brunch tomorrow. Like, oh, that was interesting. Much more of an east side feeling. Yeah. Oh, funny. I, w- I would have flip-flopped those. That's interesting. Okay. Oh, the psychology of the city is very weird. <laughs> yeah. And yet incredibly transparent. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're doing Lyft and how long before you were like, this no longer serves my needs? Because you were saying, you know, before a tour or something, you would yeah. just pick up some rides or whatever. What was the like? So I, I put out uh, my album when that came out. 
in, I put that out in 2016. Okay. So that, that's the other thing too. Cause I had money coming in from that through like Sirius XM basically. Like that's where most of your plays, your money comes from your plays on there. Um, Spotify is, you get a fraction of a penny at every mm-hmm. play. Um, so I say, if you don't want to buy my album, put it on mute on overnight and I'll make $5. So thank you. Oh, what a great <laughs> suggestion. Yeah. It's like, please do that instead. So I started having money come in like halfway through 2016 for that. And in 2018, I think it started bumping up a little bit more. I got I got played on a few more channels and stuff. And I really, I really committed to touring a lot that year. So I tried to be like, how? And and my podcast started making money in 2018 too. Mm. And like, we don't make a ton of money, but that was like also like we had made the decision that like anything we made, we we're just going to put into a bank account. So we had like a nest egg basically versus brilliant. Like, splitting you know you get a check for like 500 bucks a few times a year and then splitting it between three people it was like no that isn't going to do anything for us in the short term whatever i can make 100 bucks any a number of ways if i need to but if i put that in an account over time then when we want to go on the road or we want to make merch we like have something we can play pay brilliant pay out of so like we we haven't been putting money into the podcast basically since the beginning. Like every penny wow. that comes in around a lady to lady has been made by lady to lady. Wow. Like that was important to us. And 2018 is the year that we were starting able to pay ourselves like kind of like a monthly uh, stipend out of that. So wow. as soon like that's kind of the year that I, I was like, I will only lift if I have to lift. Mm. Um, and I didn't really have to. And thankfully wow. was able to kind of just like, everything else kind of paid for itself at a certain point. My last lift day, I'll tell you my last. Yeah. Lift was 2018. Flight. You said, right? Yeah, it was 2018. And it was, I could tell you, uh, October 15th, 2018. That was my last day driving for Lyft. And was that your last customer service job? No, actually. Uh, last. I'll, so I'll pick up little side hustles here and there. Sure. And sometimes I'll just do things just as like a, all right, it's a two week thing. I'll make, I'll make a good chunk of money and it might be a weird story or something will come out of it. Sure. And last year I did like a live nation event for um, BTS, the K-pop band. Shut up. They had, they had a, like a pop-up shop for like their clothes and stuff. And sure. I was like, I was like, yeah, I want to go meet some weird K-pop fans. I'll do that shit. So and there are I, like, so many, that. there are oh, so many domestic K-pop fans. It's nuts. And they're like, they're on crazy. one. Yeah. I mean, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, you guys are like, I mean, good for good for them because they found their community but they are like rabid about it in a way that i'm like damn that's but if you think about it we had like backstreet boys and we had Mm -hmm. in sync and so we had the you know these these boy bands that were domestic that we could love minus the jonas brothers i can't really think of any for the generation now i'm like well what domestic all boy bands are there yeah that i mean maybe i'm just i'm definitely i've aged out of that Mm -hmm. but i'm like i i don't know it it makes sense that there's k-pop stands now because i'm like oh right you don't have this sort of domestic boys that you can chase around and be like i love you so yeah, it is interesting. Okay. I mean, totally. It just was fascinating because they'd be like, who's your, f-? they'd be like, they, because they assumed everyone working there was like a massive fan oh, of this band too. Oh, that's so sweet. Be like, who's your favorite member of BGS? And I'd be like, uh, John Cook. That's one of their names, right? That's, oh. I know that because somebody else like ranted to me for 10 minutes about how great he was. So he's my favorite. <laughs> that's so genuinely sweet though, that yeah, I actually was- love that. It was very fun. And it was like, I was like, I, I will take it sometimes to be like, you know, I haven't been around like people that aren't comedians or like mm-hmm. in the art, arts and entertainment world in a while. So let me just put myself there and just see if anything comes from that or whatever. So lovely. that's definitely, that's the last customer service job I had from okay. 
So I added for two weeks last year. Yeah. Okay. So I, we're up to 13. So we would say 13 is roughly how many customer service jobs you've had. Okay. And you're sort of a loyalist. So that's not to say that you haven't had that. That's a grind in and of itself because some people think the more customer service jobs you have, the better. No, it's just, she's committed to long periods of time. I could never have done lift for five years. I would have stabbed out my own eyeballs. So good for you. Oh, and I want to go back to that question. Did you ever have a scary experience though, when you were doing lift as I know you said you had those specific rules so that maybe helped you not have one but apart no, from I, no I I never did okay. I there were times that I'd get a request and and this spoke to my own biases and it also taught me a lot about the city and mm. um I, there were times where I'd be like driving through south central on the way back from something I get a ride and I'd be like okay mm. I don't really know where I am but you know, and then I have to, you know, look at your own prejudices and you're like, okay, sure. I've heard scary things about South Central. Fuck it. I'll pick up somebody here and see what happens. And they'd be some of the best rides I'd ever had. Of course. You yeah. Know? That's I mean, lovely. I remember picking up this like auntie, what the hell was her name? Her name was like auntie something, uh, auntie Tara, I think. Aww. And she was just talking about, she's this like older black lady. And she was just like, I'm not riding the bus anymore. I'm too old. I hate all those hoes and bitches on the bus. <laughs> and she was just talking about all the hoochies in the bus that were, she was like, Bless I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch you try to pick up these little boys. And they're all little boys. And she was just like <laughs> killing me. Oh, she was killing me. She, we were just talking about, and I, I, I think I had just had like some, I had some guy hit on me at like a, uh, at a bar that wouldn't leave me alone. And I started, I have a thing where if somebody will leave me alone, I just like, will give them two times. And then I start clapping in their face like they're a coyote. Oh, wait, like, I will Nobody die. Nobody wants you here. Nobody wants you here. <laughs> I love that you do that. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll be so nice until you like, you you don't respect my no. And once you don't respect my no, then you have become a coyote to me. And oh, I will do everything okay. I can to just scare you away like one. Mm. And I was telling her about that. And she was just like, I'm going to tell my nieces about this. I love <laughs> it. How sweet yeah. is that? Yeah. So it was just a fun, like, I, I I mean, I met a lot of people that I really enjoyed. The only times that I was like, I I never felt unsafe, but Mm. there were times where you would get, you'd get a request from a dude and he would have you go to a hotel and you would girl. A prostitute a or a, a sex yeah, worker. Up, yeah, Sorry, a sex, sex worker. worker. Yeah, you pick up a sex worker and then you would, and then he would usually, he'd call and be like, you take her to this address. You do not stop anywhere else along the way. Oh, that's and a John. Like, You're like, this is a John facilitating this. Yeah. And I mean, you, and you know, I'd, I'd chat with those gals and just make sure that they were like in a decent enough <sighs> headspace to make sure they weren't being trafficked. Trafficked. Yep. Like, yep. Yeah. Oh. And I mean, I never had that, but I, I mean, that happened often. Yeah, you know, at, at night around, especially all the hotels over by LAX. Like, oh, hundred percent hotels over there. Yeah, yeah you get, you know, you pick up a girl and they come out and they'd be like, "Where am I going next?" And I'd be like, "Oh, okay, oh, well, I guess heart. you know what's going on." <laughs> oh, my heart. Oh, that's yeah. Tough. And I never that's felt tough. unsafe, but I was also like, "I hope you're making more money than I am tonight." <laughs> Trust. I hope this was worth it for you. At least, oh, bless, mm-hmm. bless, bless. I can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but you're driving. You're driving uh, uh, sex workers around the city at night in LA. And yeah, you are. Uh, yeah, you are. Yeah. But I also felt like there were times where I felt like you, you I heard so many horror stories from people mm. with like bad cab driver stories mm. and like women would be like, I'm just so glad you're a woman driver. Mm-hmm. I've had like so many shitty experiences. So like, especially when I picked up women of like, of an, like any kind, I'd be like, sure. 
oh, good. We're going to have a good safe ride. I'm going to get you somewhere safe. So I genuinely also felt like good about that too. Oh, I would have too. That's very empowering. And it's also uplifting that that's, there's, Mm -hmm. there's self-esteem around that. That's lovely. Especially when you're dealing with degenerate comedians all the time. Oh yeah. Well, and also being a comic really kind of gave me this like power. I think, I mean, I get guys in the car that would try to hit on me for a second, but I just like razz them and make fun of them. And Mm. they very quickly would realize, oh, uh, she's funnier than me. Or like, oh, she, I'm not going to fuck with this. Or like, I'm and in I, her I car. Know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm lucky too. I have like a weird mural painted on the side of my car because I got it done through like a, a fundraiser thing years ago. So it has like a Abe Lincoln fighting a T-Rex in space on the side of my car. That's amazing. <laughs> that is cool. so amazing. Also, dudes would get in and they'd be like, what am I in? Like, I think I was just like too, <laughs> too cool. So they yep. had like their normal bullshit. Like they just didn't know what to do. Like, how do I, how do I put her in a box? A dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> How gangster is that? I don't think I can fuck with her. Okay, great. I won't. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, okay. Yeah. I, I love that detail. Okay. Um, so of all of your customer service jobs, which was your favorite? And obviously comedy is your, fa- I consider comedy a customer service job. So actually I would put yeah. you down for 14, but what, what's your favorite that is not comedy? Honestly, like if the money hadn't changed with Lyft, you would have stuck I, it out. I genuinely mm. enjoyed doing it. That's like, what I, I thought you I were going to say. Would, it seems like Yeah. It. Yeah, I genuinely liked it. I liked the individual one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. You know, I got not like crazy stories out of it, but just like I like connecting with people. It's like part of the thing I like about stand-up so much. And it sure. kind of became this like, I wouldn't run bits at them, but it was, it felt like a one-on-one show of mm-hmm. just like, oh, we're just going to have a conversation and banter and then this will be fun. And, you know, I I really enjoyed getting to like see different parts of the city that I wouldn't have gone sure. through on my own and just like learning LA through other people's eyes. And like that, that, that I really enjoyed a lot. Okay. Yeah. What was your least favorite? Working in that restaurant uh, <laughs> when I was a, when I was in high school. It was weird because I always knew that I was going to quit and go to college. And mm. a lot of people there had like a weird chip on their shoulder because of that. Oh, yes. Against me. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And I'd never experienced that before. And I was just uh-huh. like, you know, I'm, I'm nice. I also, I was a carryout girl. I, I made more tips than any other carryout girl there. They would get like a couple bucks a shift and I would walk away with 40 or $50 in tips. I don't know why. But I just, you know, the early charisma or whatever. Yeah, well, sure. I'm <laughs> sure that's part yeah. of it. And you engaged with them and you weren't just like, yeah. here's your fucking food, whatever. No, exactly. The, the people pleasing part of me that it can be rough sometimes. <laughs> uh, in that case, it really worked for me. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good at tip jobs because of it. Um, oh, same. But, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is my cross to bear. And sometimes it pays off. Yep. Um, I'm going to get actual cash. Okay. Yeah. So that job, because it just like. I, it just really bummed me out the way that I was like, oh, people are being weird. And I did have like, there was like a chef that like wouldn't leave me the fuck alone. Ugh. And he like, I, I'd be like, hey, man, I'm like not interested in you. This is weird. And then one time I remember he wasn't working, but he like came to see me and he brought, he had like a two year old kid. No, it's too much. He brought, he, he brought his son to meet me. And I was like, dude, I'm like going to college and you're like 35 year old chef. No. Also, it's crazy being I'm like I'm 36 and like that's like the age, like around the age that he was. I'm like Oof. you're talking to a teenager. It's so much. It's it's too much. It's too much. What are you what, what are you doing? What are you a, doing? Yeah. How can so, you even relate I mean, to yeah. a teenager at that age? I mean, don't you find them infinitely more irritating i mean uh, whatever so deeply insufferable i mean Ugh. i look back at like videos of me and then and i'm just like you thought you were so funny you were so annoying you're so <laughs> annoying i mean funny to your friends then because you're all annoying i mean you're a teenager you're barely a person you know yeah, hello <laughs> so. and do- doesn't it make you so grateful that we didn't have social media at like growing up that you're like oh my god i can't imagine yeah um, i'm glad that, that stuff just exists on like uh if i get a high eight tape somewhere that's hello <laughs> <laughs> okay what's the weirdest thing you've ever been asked to do whilst on the clock 
I bet, I bet you there's some weird dumb. Oh, I know what it is. I had a PA job where we're shooting this music video at like a diner way, way south in La Cienega out here. And the video was this guy that he, had, he was friends with a bunch of drag queens. So they were all, they were like the the background. The, this diner was full of drag queens. Okay. And my job as the PA was to make sure that they did not do drugs. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. They told me, they were like, oh, you need to make sure that they do not get too drunk or too high. And I was like, how, how do I do that? How? I'm 22. Oh. I've never, I'm from Maryland. I've never been around drag queens before. Like they're cool, but also like, I don't, what am I supposed to do? So I just would like talk to them and be like, so, oh, where are you going? Oh, and I just like was just an annoying person just following drag queens around all night oh, just trying God. to be like, can you not uh, shoot that you in your arm? Snort something in the bathroom? <laughs> oh my God. I get, that's far too much pressure also for oh, anyone yeah. really. That's that's yeah. that's insane. It was very strange. That is, these were, they were like not uh, none of them would have been on Drag Race. Uh, <laughs> this so. was a very particular brand of drag queen. It was a real Motley Crew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Remember the that? the, that's yeah. the most intense answer I think I've ever gotten about. I mean, like oh, we've gotten sexual nice. answers and things, but I think. Yeah, it's easier to deflect the like the sexual thing in theory, but to yeah, have yeah. to to be tasked with trying to get people to not be degenerates. I don't mm-hmm. think or not to not drug people that use drugs are not degenerates. Bah, whatever. Do do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Care, also, Live your life. You know. But don't I'm make me. Like, yeah. yeah, it was also like, dude, the singer was friends with all of them, and I was like, why can't he just tell his friends to not be assholes? Don't use like, while on on set for me to yeah. handle my career. Maybe maybe yeah, take it seriously because like, hey you guys, care about me. Whoa. Exactly. That was it. Was just such a weird, and it was a bare bones crew too, and it was just like overnight. I remember at like five in the morning, they were like, okay, go to Norm's and pick up like 30 breakfast sandwiches or something. And like, I have like a real egg thing. Like I oh, can't. That smell. I love eating cool. eggs, but that smell, I can't handle if it's in the house. No. Nope. Yeah. It's bad. Some of my car just like smelled like eggs for a couple oh, of days. Oh no. I was like, Ugh. I'd prefer vomit over eggs. Yuck. Yeah. No, thanks. No, exactly. Exactly. So it was just a weird, that I remember being like, yeah, sometimes like in, in entertainment, you'll do something and you're like, oh, am I? Am I mentally ill? <laughs> is that how I? <laughs> is that how I ended up here? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> oh my God. Girl, the number of times I've looked around at the crew of rascals around me where we're all yeah. doing the same job. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm not the odd man out. There's something about yeah. me that works in this. Yeah. So if I'm diagnosing everybody else, I myself yeah. am diagnosable. Yeah. So yes, girl, too. yes, I am part of this problem. hundred <laughs> percent. Am I exactly. mentally ill? Without yeah. question. I totally yeah. identify with that question. <laughs> that is really, you're giving me so many like one line gems. I'm into it. Okay. Um, was there an incident in any of these jobs where, where you had a manager that can also be maybe somebody above Mm -hmm. the line or something on set where someone asked to speak to either the manager or the person above you in relation to something you had said or done? Oh yeah. Uh, karaoke. Uh, (laughs) I was thinking you were going to say that. Okay. What happened? Cause people get so weird when they think they're in this performative experience, but also townies, God yeah. love them. I grew up with them, but whew, they got yeah. away. There was this lady who, okay, there was one night the bar was like pretty empty. And then her and three of her friends came in and had a couple songs ahead of them. So the list wasn't too deep. They all signed up. They didn't tip me. And then they went to their table. And then this couple came in and they were like, hey, um, can we sing next? And, they, and they, I was like, if you tip me, yeah. And they gave me 20 bucks. So the way um. the karaoke works, you give me money, you go up the list. That's how it works. For the listener that is 
never, trade secrets. I've always been like, why don't I get my songs picked? Uh, tip, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. There's one woman in that first group when that couple got called, she flew up to the stage and she was like, excuse me, um, we are here before them. Uh, what's going on? I was like, well, they just give me 20 bucks. They just want to sing a song and get out. Um, so you guys, just, and, and it literally was like, they just got there right after them. It was like a two minute break or something sure. like that. I was like, look, you guys just got here too. sit at your booth, grab a drink. They're going to sing next. And then there's like two songs. And then you guys are out for this Jeez. free experience that you're having yeah, for this free experience that you're having. Tonight. And, I, and I was like, I was like, well, you know, you know, they tip me 20 bucks. That's kind of how karaoke works. You know, I'm just like, for being to be honest. nice, but like, this is what's going on. Sure. She grabs my list, crosses her name off, drops it down on the table, and then flounces back to her table and just like crosses her arms. And it's just like to all of her friends. Okay. And her friends were perfectly fine. Like they were like, okay, take, like you could tell that they, they, they looked over and they were like, yeah, it's karaoke lady. That's how it works. So the, the three songs happen. Her friends, they all come up and sing three songs. One of them was like, I'm sorry that she did that. And I was like, I was like, no, you guys are fine. Uh, she should probably just stay away from me if that's the way she's going to be. <laughs> probably not a good idea. <laughs> like, I mean, I'd advise against it. Mm, go over there, yeah. please. <laughs> Amazing. I used to have these like little cards that had like my Twitter on them because I was like, hey, I'm also a comedian. If you come to a show, you know, because I, I started running a show at All Star Lanes like my second year of karaoke too on Tuesdays. I would just do like a Tuesday night Tuesday night show before I did karaoke just so I could like run stage time and stuff. Smart. And she took one of those. Oh, when she had dropped the thing, she grabbed one of those slips. And I was like, okay, follow me on Twitter, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at me, and, bitch. <laughs> yeah. And she, she was scribbling something away at the table over there. And when her last friend finished singing, she had her bag on her arm and she like, they all came over and, and they, she was like, we're getting up to go. We're getting like clearly wanted to leave. And then she like walked past my stage and she crumpled this piece of paper and she threw this crumpled up piece of paper at me and it hit me and it fell on the desk. And I picked it up and I opened it up and it was my little Twitter slip that she had written me a note on the back of. Who has and this said, kind of time? I used to have it laminated in my wallet. Um, <laughs> And that wallet got stolen. It's actually the saddest thing in the world. Oh, I, I would be the most sad about that more than the money. Oh. I mean, honestly, I was like, it, it was this slip and it said, you can't sing or KJ. KJ is karaoke jockey. Uh, oh. You stink. You stink. And then there was a picture of like racist slanty eyes and teeth with stink lines above it. Neither one of us were Asian. I was like, why? Why would you draw that on here? Why it's would you ever confusing. draw that? Why would you draw that on here? You can't sing your KJ. You stink. Racist face. My brother's a KJ biatch. I was like, oh. Please tell me you. she wrote B-I-O-T-C-H. That- she absolutely did. Yes. She absolutely did. Yes. And and I had called the next person up on stage and their song had just started. I said, no, no, no. And I paused. I was like, excuse me. I just need to make an announcement real quick. I just took the microphone back and I was like, I just want to read the note that was just thrown at me. By the late, by the woman, and she hadn't closed her tab yet. She's a fucking uh, idiot. Oh she God. had not closed her tab yet, so she's like, she's she's at the bar, just like, just like, oh fuck, fuck, and I have a microphone, and I was just like, um, and I read, I read the note, and I was like, and there's a racist Asian face on here. What, lady? And she was like, she was this like 45 year old lady in like a, uh, a onesie with like big heels. And oh, like, so I, specific. I was like, she was like, you're, you're drunk, you dumb bitch. And I was just like, 
honey, I'm sober and I remember everything. Um, <laughs> also, you she, like, wrote it down, dumb bitch. Like you did this. And then she was like trying to. She was. She's like, "Where's the manager? Where's the manager?" To the bartender. The bartender was like, "I'm the manager." And I just go, "How about you get your fucking shitty little ones? What did somebody tell you like 20 years ago? You had nice legs and you've been white knuckling that compliment as long as you fucking can. How about you get your shitty little ass out of this bar right <laughs> the now?" The bartender said that. Oh, I said that. Oh, you said that. Good for you. I said that, no, I said that from the microphone. Because the bartenders like had my back. They're like, Brandy's the best. She's That's like, amazing. what are you talking about? <laughs> and she was just like, fuck you, fuck you. And I was just like, keep walking, Bye. keep walking, you old hag. And I was just calling her old because she seemed like the kind of woman that would, that would like, be hate that. murdered by I that mean, comment, comment. Yeah. She had that like that like alcohol red face. Oh, um, she was having a night. Really, oh yeah. Oh uh, bless but, her. And then afterwards, I just like literally like I, then i get the microphone back to the other people i was just laughing every time like somebody new would come in i'd be like let me tell you about what y'all missed earlier this is why you get to the beginning of karaoke and i kept reading the note and talking about it <laughs> <It's> cathartic <laughs> it as fuck class. oh, oh yeah. That's yeah that's like the only time anyone's tried to like try to call a manager on me i was like bitch please don't they but don't me. they love me here <laughs> um what was the last straw that got you out of any of these jobs where you were like i will never do fill in the blank again i mean maybe the barbecue job since you were anti you you're not doing the restaurant thing ever again was there a last yeah. straw there uh yeah the re- the restaurant gig was so it's my senior year of high school and you had to like put in for your days off like ahead of time and then you might not get them yeah. uh, but you got most of them and one of the days i asked for off i was in marching band in high school and it was the very last performance of our marching band um so me as a senior last time i get to play like with my thing i've been doing this for four years i was band president like i was like it's a big deal and it was my best friends and they did not give me the night off and when we got the schedule i was like hey uh i'm going to this so you need to find somebody else because this is important to me and they were like it's just school and i was like no this is like actually my life you guys are just my job. <laughs> like I don't. Yeah. Also, care. I'm a teenager. Why would you I'm rob me of that experience? You bitter yeah. pieces of shit. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh. So it was like they were like, "Well, if we can't if we can't find somebody to cover it, then you have to be here." And I was like, "Well, I'm telling you, I won't be here." So they couldn't get somebody to cover it, and then that more they they're like, "Okay." And I was like, well, "I was like, well, I'm gonna call in sick because I'm gonna tell you that I'm not coming in." I kept being the whole week. I was like, "I told you I a will- week ago." Yeah, I was like, I will not be there. Yeah, you're I not going. You, I'm not going. I'm going to go like the the end of this thing that I've been doing for four years. It is the end. It is a celebration of four years that I put into it. I worked here for four months. Who gives a shit? So I call that morning to be like, hi, you guys don't have somebody to cover for me? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, I guess I'm sick. <laughs> yeah, That's totally like, valid. Whatever, whatever you need to hear from me to, I'm not coming in. And they were like, well, if you're not here, then you're fired. And I was like, okay. Uh, if I don't come that I think I quit. <laughs> Good for like, you. Ew, what this a... is the crazy thing. They called, and I hadn't told this to my parents because I was just like dealing with it. And like, you know, a teenager in high school, I was, I'm much closer with them now than I was at the time. So I was like just dealing with it in my own way. It's like, call my fucking house. And they're like, is Brandy really sick today? Well, they snitched on you? Fuck yeah, they you. Snitched, they snitched on me. And then my, I get a fucking call from my dad. It was like, are you sick? Why are, why are you quitting your job? Why, are you, why aren't you going to work? And I was like, because of this, this thing. I had to like, then I had to tell him everything about it. And I was like, I'm for sure never going back there. Fuck these people. Did you, did your dad have your back? He did not. Cause he, he was like, well, why are you lying about it? And I was like, I'm not, why I didn't lie to you. I just didn't think I thought I was handling it. And I didn't, he was, thought he was teaching me a lesson, but I was like, no, I'm actually much better than that, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother, 
My grandmother had my back. She lived with us at the time and she was like, ah, fuck those people. Good for your grandma. <laughs> Good. Okay. How many bodily fluids have been on your person whilst you were on the clock? I mean, it sounds like you almost got puked on, but didn't, but almost got puked on, never been spit on, f- never like, never like just talking spit. I've mm. never been like, spit on. Okay. I am very lucky. Yeah, you I are. I think that's about it. Yeah. I've never been pooped on. I've never been pissed on. Which is shocking for the, for the hosting of either open mics because some yeah. comics are, are away or yeah, the karaoke yeah. thing. I mean, because people get mm-hmm. sloppy with karaoke. Yes, they do. So I absolutely do. Yeah, I'm really surprised. I'm, yeah, I got uh, I got somebody's somebody's looking out for me in yeah, that department. Facts. I think Gigi Allen's got my back, and he's like, you know what? I did it wrong. I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, do you tip? Yes. How much? Yeah, twenty percent a bit minimum. Okay. Yeah, what what gets minimum. you to go beyond 20? If it's like, if it's somebody that like, if it seems like they are like stressed, then I'll, then I'll go, I'll go up a little bit more. It kind of depends. It, it Number one, it depends on like what my situation is at the moment, if I've got it, but 20% minimum always. If somebody seems stressed, if somebody seems that they fucking love doing this too, mm. they'll get more. Yeah. If it's like a, like a frazzled mom or whatever, it's like, yeah, of course. Sure. We'll give you more money and if it's also if it's like i mean you get a cup of coffee you get a tip a dollar like that's yeah. technically 20 you know that's yeah. technically way more yeah it's 50 um, percent in some cases depending yeah exactly so you know like it, it kind of just de- depends but like bare minimum 20 like whenever you have a little touch screen i just always go to whatever the last one is usually that's lovely just to throw it on there Do yeah because have- i think it's also just like paying it back like i'm a big believer in like that kind of karma shit comes back to you i'm with you, you on know? that do you ever not yeah. tip i don't mean with like barista no. experiences i just mean was there ever a situation where you were like and i'm not tipping this person I don't think so because the the times where I've had like like a bad experience at a restaurant, it mm-hmm. is not the waiter's fault. Like mm, generally, good for you for generally knowing it's that. like yeah, yes. I'm like no, this is you did your best. This yeah. is like somebody else's thing. You know, my food. Like a few times I've had to like talk to a manager. I'm always like she's great or he's great. This is like a food problem or like a something else problem. But mm-hmm. like, and I, I I generally also tip them more because I had to like you know interrupt their flow about whatever sure but that doesn't i mean that doesn't happen very often um good have you ever been stiffed when you worked at any of these positions i mean i guess at the karaoke thing it happened all the time i would imagine because i consider that stiffing if you're if you're getting up and singing and not tipping Mm -hmm. i consider that being stiffed so you were most most people would stiff at karaoke really frustrating yeah yeah, it was it was crazy the number of people that like wouldn't tip or they tip one dollar for like five songs or something that night being like this is me paying for every song it's like no it's not Mm. That's not how that works. Also, driving for Lyft, most oh. people do not tip rideshare. Really? You absolutely should, but most people most people do. I'd say 80 to 85% of people do not tip rideshare. It could be. I think there's a misconception that it seems as if the, in some people's heads, they assume the driver seeing all of the money that they just paid mm-hmm. and the yeah. driver seeing, I think, like an eighth of it or something. Somebody yeah. did the math once and it, it's insane how little they actually see, especially yeah. on shared rides and things like that. Mm-hmm. So interesting. OK. Yeah. You don't make a ton of money. You don't. And there's also there. I mean, there's also no way from the way that the app has gone now to know if you were even getting all your tips or not, like there's no, there's zero transparency. Like those companies need to like deep regulation needs to happen. Yeah. That's I've been shitty. a part of so many class action lawsuits against Lyft and Uber. Really? You know, I'll just get random checks for like a hundred bucks here and there just from like something else. I got fire filed against them. And it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> they should have been clean. They did not break cleanly. Yeah, Uber used to have a thing where it said that tips were built in too. Like at the very beginning, it was like tips are included in the fare, like a, hmm. which is which was never true. Not true. Yeah. 
Uber is a deeply shady company. At least Lyft has always had the tip button as an option. Yeah, they, um, since Uber. Jump Street, they've had it. They've yeah. had it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uber never. Exactly. Yeah, they didn't in the yeah. beginning. There mm-hmm. was I've ridden with some people that keep like a little cup on the mm-hmm. um what do you call it the armrest in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I at the, for a while I was like that's so tacky, and then I was like oh this is because they they actually work for shady companies that sucks, and then yeah. I would put it in if they if I saw it. Okay, well I think you kind of sort of answered this because it was like a fired quit situation, but were you ever fired from a customer service job? That um the barbecue place. Uh, the, yeah, the barbecue place. Okay, yeah, and who's yeah, the definitely. worst customer you've ever interacted with that you can think of offhand? Mm, God, the karaoke lady was definitely up uh, there. That counts. If throwing something at you, I would have lost yeah. my actual mind. Like you would yeah. have caught these hands. That was probably the most egregious thing anybody has ever done to me because I was just like, That's just, I just, yeah. You're in my house. Like you're in my house right now. I have a microphone. Shout out to Aaron um, Lampard for saying, for saying a bartender once taught her. She was a guest on this yeah. podcast earlier. She's also a comic. Someone, yeah. a, a bartender said to her that if you're ever catch an attitude from the people that come mm-hmm. in, they are mm-hmm. in your house and you get to act mm-hmm. accordingly. And that was so helpful. I had never thought about mm-hmm. that. And it's such a, it's such a nice reminder, I think, to say mm-hmm. that, no, they are a guest, even though it's a financial exchange. I think there's this misconception that because mm-hmm. I am paying for you, I can treat you as mm-hmm. if you are human garbage. And it's like, no, no, exactly. no, no, no. You're, you're in a private building right now or car mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay. Now we're going to get on to the good stuff. We hope mm-hmm. you all saved room for dessert. Okay, here we go. So what was the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working that you can think of? Oh, you know what? One of my early PA gigs was on a show called um, Thank God You're Here. It was like a sketch comedy improv show on NBC. And I was a talent PA on it. Okay. And um, one of the days I got Jerry Springer. Um, He was going to do improv on the show. And one of the nicest, truly nicest human beings I've ever met and he, so I was, I was his PA for the day and he was, and I was supposed to just sit outside of his door. And then if he needed something, he would come and let me know. And he was like, you're just going to sit out here in this hallway. No, no, no. You come and hang out with me. So he like brought me in his room and he was like, what do you want for lunch? Cause I get to order whatever I want. So oh like we had lunch together. And then at the end of the, he, he shot his thing. And at the end of the day, I walked him out to his car to take him back to the hotel. And he just went, you know what? I want you to know. I shot that. And it was very fun. You were the highlight of my day. Oh my god! And I was like, Jerry Springer, you know, I love you so much. He uh, he was mayor of Cincinnati for a minute, mm-hmm. and yes, I was. am from a town right outside of Cincinnati where I currently am now. And he also uh, is is uh, he's donated just I mean he's put a ton of money yeah. still back into you know t- towns outside of Cincinnati. And I have heard, even though his show was a clusterfuck nightmare of insanity. Yeah. And scripted and hired actors, by the way. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. All of that aside, mm-hmm. I he I mean, m- much the opposite of Ellen. I have heard only yes. wonderful things about him. So it's lovely that yeah. you brought him up. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. I mean, genuinely, one of the the highlight moment in my mm. life like was just like Jerry Springer loves me, <laughs> and um, I'm amazing. <laughs> I love yeah. that he had lunch with you. Like that's just yes. every part of that is lovely. It was so sweet. And it was also just like, no matter where, what level, who you are, wherever you get, there is no reason to not treat people below you as if you were an equal. Just, 
whatever you're a different person that doesn't matter like always treat the people below you nicely yeah because even if you were to have been a career PA which some people choose to do God love them that is a hard fucking job but you never know I mean and Mm -hmm. obviously the reason to be kind to people is not because of where you think they will end up it's because they are human in front of you and Mm -hmm. you just should be but you, I mean, look at where you are now, still lauding him mm-hmm. as a positive, Absolutely. amazing experience. And yeah. it's like, yeah, he's sort of retired. I, I don't know if his show's still on, but like, you know, he's still sort yeah. of, he's somewhat out of the entertainment yeah. world. But mm-hmm. wouldn't you rather people speak on your name in that way as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. the the stories we've heard of so many others? I mean, I just, it doesn't, yeah. I, I'm totally with you on that. Absolutely. It matters. Absolutely. And also it's like, if I was ever in this situation where I could help him out, I would. Because he, I would yeah. because of that moment of kindness. I'd of be course. Like, no, you, it's, you paid it forward, you know? You know, I, I got your back. And I've, I've worked with some headliners in comedy, same thing, where I'm like, you know, the way the club system works, like the actual clubs do not pay you very much as a feature. So there are some headliners that will like give you more money just because <sighs> they're like, dude, I know it's not 1980. I'm going to take money out of my pocket to give to you because this is what you actually deserve this weekend. Wow. And like the people that have done that, if I'm ever in a position where I'm headlining and they need it, they, they're, they're taken care of. Like they're, they're, I'm a good, my good book forever. You don't want to be in the other one. <laughs> this is good. Uh, this is like celebrity gossip bullshit, but is Maria yeah, yeah. Bamford the loveliest human? Are you able to She's speak on that? Dream. I figured she comes across that way. Like I just yeah. so delight in how vulnerable she yeah. is. Anyway, that's not what this is about. Yeah. Okay, great. She's a dream. Um, what is the best lesson that you have personally learned just from customer service, not from comedy or whatever, but like the a lesson that apps working directly with customers has informed you to believe now or like taught you now. If somebody is shitty and they come at you, if you hold your worth, Oof. they they will fall. They will crumble. Come they absolutely on. will. Come they on with that. Will. Hold your worth. Yeah. Because those people, if you're doing that shitty thing, you already feel like a small person. Oh, come if on. They, if they feel that like, oh, baby, not me. Not, like, I'm not they, the one. I'm not the they one. They will shrink. And they will shrink. Mm. And like, they might be mad. They might rant about it later. Who gives a shit? But like, do not make yourself small for a small person. Ooh. And so many sound bites. That's amazing. Okay, that's great. What is the best tip that you have ever gotten? I mean, it's sort of a weird because you said how very little you've been tipped throughout your customer service history. But is there one that stands out where you were like somebody just threw down a 50 or 100 or, you know, a thousand or whatever? And yeah, I think because most of the you know what? Um, I had a ride one time with a with a lift couple that I drove them, picked them up from the forums. There's a concert. I just remember where it was from. I forget who they were seeing, but it was like an older kind of boomery couple. I picked them up from the forum and I drove them up to Ventura and they were delightful. They were just like an old, like one of those old couples that's like still in love and cool. And you're just like, Oh, you guys are great. (laughs) And we had a, just a delightful time. And then at the end, the guy gave me a hundred bucks. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He was just, he was just like, this has been a perfect end to a perfect night. Thank you Oh, that makes me want to cry. I love that. It was so nice. It was uh, that, like those those rides would keep me in the game. Too. Oh, same, yes, you'd get, you'd get a good one, and you'd be like, "This was like I just hung out with some great people. Yeah, like, I paid to do it." There was yeah. one time at the comedy club where I work where I was just uh, getting shit on repeatedly, repeatedly, repeat every mm-hmm. table, fighting about the two drinks, just shitting on us, shitting on us, shitting on us. And this guy was trying to court the business of the the place where I work. And he saw that I was getting shit on. He worked in like graphic designer logos or something and he wanted to start doing the merch for the place. And I was desperate to get him in because he was hot and nice yeah. and also yeah. was just being lovely. And I yeah, wasn't yeah. at all thinking, oh, this dude's about to hook it up. It was just he 
he was just being nice in a sea of shit. And so mm-hmm. I just, anytime it looked like he was looking for a drink, we normally can't do that because it's too high volume. But anytime yeah, yeah. I saw his head go up, I was like, nope, I got him. Fuck got all you. these tables. I don't care. And then mm-hmm. he gave me $200. And I was like, this is the biggest nice. tip I've ever gotten. And he was just like, yeah. you know, and he wrote a note like I saw you working so hard. Now, granted, it was a business Aww. move because he knew that I could put him in touch with the right people, which I immediately did. But course, it yeah. was also just such a lovely because when you're getting shit on repeatedly, like if you had mm-hmm. 17 bad rides up before then and then yes. you get slipped, even if they only gave you an extra 20, just mm-hmm. the language of this is a perfect end to a perfect night is, yeah. is so lovely. Okay, Exactly. It was just like, thank you for acknowledging my humanity. Oh, that's all, that's all you're ever asking for. It's it, just like, that's hey, it. That is I'm it. a person that's on the clock. You, this is you having fun. I'm working. I'm a person yeah. on the clock and you're having fun. Don't shit on me. I'm into it. Okay. What is one piece of advice that you would give to customers who are going to interact with customer service workers besides tip your karaoke people, which is insane to me that people don't do. But do you have... I mean, that's definitely a big one. I mean, I think just remembering that they're human beings Mm. and you don't know what's going on with them. um, And it doesn't cost anything to give someone a moment of empathy um, (sighs) to be like, it just doesn't. You it know, just, doesn't. just doesn't. If you don't know what's going on in somebody's life, and also if you have a bad restaurant experience, you can just come back another time. <laughs> turns out, <laughs> you know? turns out you turns sure out, can. Yeah, you're not going to eat at a restaurant once in your entire life. Um, I'm sorry if it wasn't fucking perfect. I'm mm-hmm. sorry if you know whatever the thing. If 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 you need one night to be so good, otherwise your life is ruined. Then what is your life? Like it's fine. Ooh. Like. Learn to roll with the punches, baby, because if you can't do it when you're out having fun, you're going to be really bad at it when you're up against the wall yourself. (laughs) It's the best way to end because that was my last question. So how can people get in touch with you, Brandy? Like, are you are you giving out your socials? Is that something you're comfortable doing? Okay, Um, absolutely. Yeah, you can find me on um, Twitter and Instagram at Brandazzle, B-R-A-N-D-A-Z-Z-L-E. And then uh, my website is brandyposey.com where you can find more about me. Um, if I ever have tour dates again, they'll be listed there. But I'm also on the app Bands in Town. If you use that for following music, you can follow me on there as well for whenever I come to your town. And then my album is called Opinion Cave. And that is uh, available wherever you listen to albums. It goes my name up. And then uh, my podcast is called Lady to Lady. It happens every Wednesday. And then we have bonus content available on our Patreon where you can find Lady to Lady. You can find all that information with the free show is very very fun and then i have a monthly uh zoom show that happens now oh you do um, yeah it used to be a live show in los angeles at the virgil but now it's um now it's online because trying to not kill people um fair you know in these times (laughs) it's called picture this and it's comedians paired up with animators and they draw your jokes behind you during your set that is so awesome it's a total blast and the animators we get we get people like um like pendleton ward the guy that like created adventure time and uh, midnight gospel on netflix oh midnight uh, gospel is such the best insanity it is the best show yeah we get people from like bojack horseman and big mouth like big big name animators we had craig bartlett the guy that the creator hey arnold he does the show all the time um and it's so fun because it's like you you see your your jokes turned into cartoons in front of you so then you get to like mess with them and like laugh at them and stuff but if you follow me online you'll see all that information and um yeah i'm just out in out in these streets uh wearing a mask and (laughs) like Hello. And Lady to Lady is L-A-D-Y-T-O, not the number two, T-O-L-A-D-Y. And then it's Brandy, I-E, Posey, S-E-Y. 
just because mm-hmm. there's some spelling yes. potential there. And yeah. well, folks, we are going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends to listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled in the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell, send us an email or all of your receipts at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, if you can't afford a tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thank you for being on, Brandy. We very much appreciate you. This was lovely. You gave so many gems. I don't even know how I'm going to suss them all out. This was amazing. (laughs) Um, Well, folks, that's going to be it. Thanks for being on. We'll talk to you all later. Bye.